0: Hey, there's a story that was very—it's very well known in Spain, because uh, Ernest Hemingway actually wrote about this story. He said there was a, there was a father and a son who were estranged in Spain, and uh, it, it got so tense that the son left, said didn't want to see his father ever again. That really distraught his father, so his father actually went out to find his son, and after months of searching, he finally decided to put an ad in the paper in the Madrid Times or whatever it is, you know. And it, it, it said, son, it said, um, let me here, get it right. It said, um, son, uh, all is forgiven. Uh, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. It says, all is forgiven. I love you, your father. That's all it said. And that is, his name was Paco. It's Paco. And so on that day, Saturday, 800 Pacos Showed up. Evidently, a lot of people need forgiveness. A lot of people are longing for that reconnection with somebody after they have been hurt or they've been estranged. And some of you, I myself, had some real issues with my dad. And how long does it take to forgive? To forgive. Sometimes it's something that someone has done to you, against you. They've said something mean. They've treated you badly. Sometimes it's been your own fault. I've done things that weren't too kind to a few people in my lifetime. And, you know, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, boy, I hope they will forgive me. And some of us now are sitting here wondering if we've committed a sin that is unforgivable you feel like the, the weight is so heavy and you can't get out from under it because you're you're almost afraid to even go to that person and ask for forgiveness because you know that they won't forgive you. You ever been there? I mean, there's all kinds of scenarios when it comes to forgiveness, either end of the forgiveness issue. You know, I, I, I firmly believe that Jesus knows this. In the scriptures, it talks a lot about forgiveness. So if you have your Bible, I want you to open it to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look through mainly verses 1 through 6 today, and then we'll tag it with the, the end of the, the chapter. But nothing seems to divide people more than unforgiveness. It's a, it's a, a worldwide problem. And when when, some, when someone has wronged us or done something that we think is wrong, uh, it's difficult, difficult to forgive sometimes. And so we know that Jesus is our example. And the strongest, the most amazing example that we have of forgiveness is when Jesus hung on the cross while he is being crucified. And he looks into heaven and he talks to his father, Father God, and he says, Father, And you know what I'm going to say, right? What do you say? Forgive Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Can you imagine? To pre-forgive. They weren't down there asking for forgiveness. They were intent on completing the the task they were given to kill this man. And yet Jesus had it in him to say, no matter what you're doing or Think why you're doing it or whatever. You know what? I forgive you. I forgive you. And if we are called to be like Jesus, this is one of the most difficult things that we are called to do. Is to forgive. Is to forgive. And at the same time, being a forgiver, we need to also be willing to be forgiven to understand that it is possible to be forgiven for anything that we've done. And that in the context of the church, this is where it should happen. This is where it should happen. When, when someone asks for forgiveness, we're not there to judge. We're not there to to put them down or to put a label on them for the rest of their life. We're not to... to put them on a path to be able to, you know, okay, now now you've got to prove yourself. No, this is about being like Jesus, just forgiving. And why was Jesus able to do that? Because he paid the penalty for sin. It's done. It's paid for. It's done. Well, what are the characteristics that help us be able to forgive? And that's really where Paul is is putting the spotlight this morning. So if you look at verse 1, it says this, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, the, the, the word there that he uses to urge is uh, is to come alongside with an intense feeling. So Paul is trying his best through words to say, I'm right beside you in this. I'm coming alongside you. I've experienced it myself. I mean, he brutalized and killed followers of Jesus himself. So he knows what it's like to do something that he knows is wrong and has, been, and has experienced the forgiveness of God to be able to, to take the next step. So he says, I'm right there with you. I'm right alongside you in this to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Now, the phrase there to live a life refers to just daily conduct. As you're going along, as you're moving through everything you do in life, that's what he's talking about. So in life, he's urging us to live this life worthy of the calling that we have received. And and, and the worthy is an interesting word there because it, it you've seen one of those scales. That goes like the tips this way, and you 've got to put something here, then you want to, to make it even, right? so when he 's saying, "I want you to live a life that 's worthy of your calling," he says, "I want your lifestyle, your everyday things that you 're doing, to be equal with your calling. okay so So everything that we do should have that calling as a part of it, okay. So when we're out playing golf or or out, me playing soccer a long time ago, and, or if you're going to for ice cream or you're going to whatever, doing what you do normally during your day, how can that be flavored with, how can that reflect the fact that you're on a mission? You're on, you're on call. Okay? And what is your calling? So we get this straight and we figure out, oh okay, now everything I do, my lifestyle is all about this thing that God has called me to do. And what He's called us all to do is to be reconciled, to be made right. In other words, to have our relationships repaired to the point to where we are now again on a friendship basis, on a love relationship, instead of filled with animosity and angst and unforgiveness. You see, when we sin, we separate ourselves. We run away from God who loves us and cares about us and created us for relationship. The same things happen when, when someone hurts you or is mean to you or does something bad or disagrees with you. What do we do? We push them away. And our calling is to help ourselves and others realize that Jesus paid the penalty for our sin so we can be forgiven And then we can have our relationship restored. Now, hopefully we've all experienced that at some level in our lifetime, to where we were at odds with somebody and then we actually restored that relationship and became good friends again. I had my best friend in high school. Um, He did something that was just, in my mind, I was ready to just toss him overboard and forget him, but God did a work in me. And he says, you know what? You've done some pretty dumb, stupid things too. Are you going to trash this relationship because of that? Are you going to hold somebody to their worst moment and define them by that one thing they did wrong? Or are you going to forgive like I've forgiven you time and time and time again, right? And so you're able to move past that And not wait even for an apology, but to make it in your mind your choice to forgive even if there isn't an apology. That's tough. That's really hard. So he is is saying, I want you to, to live this life. That's worthy of your calling, that reflects the fact that you're on a mission to make sure that everyone knows that they can, they can be reconciled, made right with God, have a relationship with a God who loves them and created them, and that you can then extend that to everybody that you know. And that you can also be a peacemaker in the process of helping other people come back together, right? So, let's look at these, these things that, that he says we need to do. Now, in verse 2 it says, Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, before we get to the attributes, we need to look at that first thing. And that's the hard one. Be completely. Now, I know, I know some people that are a little bit humble right? They're they're a little bit humble. They're a little gentle, maybe. They're a little patient. They they can put up with somebody else for a little while. But Paul is asking a lot here. He's saying, be completely this way. Okay, this shouldn't be a one-off. This is something that we aspire to all the time. And it's hard. It's hard. But this is the calling. Be completely humble, right? And so we move on. What does humble mean? Well, um, a lot of people think that it's just like, oh, I'm a nobody, right? I'm bad. I'm not as good as you. That's false humility. That's false humility. I think we all think a lot of ourselves Probably we think of ourselves more than we should. And in our day and age with with Facebook and everything else, it should be called a look at me, I'm great book, right? It's not about us and humility. Now, what's really interesting to me is that the Greeks and the Romans didn't even have a word for humility. No such word in their language. Can you believe that? Um, it's interesting that they thought it was unnatural if a person didn't think of themselves with pride and satisfaction. Does that sound like the world we're living in today? I mean, we are taught now that you're not just okay. You're fantastic. You're awesome. And, and we, we, you know, the team that takes last place in the little guy's soccer, they all get trophies. What is that about? Right? I didn't get a trophy. I didn't even get an orange slice if I was in last place. Come on. You know? But our world is all about trying to build people up, build people up, build people up. And it says, be humble. Be humble. It's interesting. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, take my yoke, my teaching on you In other words, listen to what I'm saying and live that out because he says this, because I'm gentle and I'm humble at heart. Now, of all people on the planet, you wouldn't think that Jesus, being God in human flesh, would ever say, I'm humble. Right? I mean, if the greatest... Of the greatest can be humble, then we should follow, right? And, And what humility really means is having a proper view of yourself. That we are created. We're not the creator. God is God. I'm not. And I'm created for his purposes, for relationship, for love. So basically, Paul is saying here that that. Pride is really the sin of trying to either compete with God to be as good as him or better than him or at least saying, I don't need him. I'm completely self-sufficient, right? And humility, true humility in the sense of the Bible is that I have a proper view of myself. I'm only alive because God made me alive. And without him, I wouldn't exist. Okay? I need God. I need that relationship with my maker. I need my relationship with you. Because without relationship, without having each other to love and care about, you see, we don't need to build ourselves up when others are loving us. When you feel loved you don't have to tell somebody how great you are. You you feel good because you're loved. So humility uh, it 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 it's looking at ourselves in the right way. Now move on it says be gentle. Now being gentle means mild-spirited or and self-controlled. Um it doesn't mean weak or timid or cowardly. As a matter of fact this word in the context of, of, the, of the age, it, it was a word that was used to describe a, a stallion that was, of course, strong, but had been tamed. You see, what, what being gentle is, it's not saying I'm weak. It's saying I have strength, but that strength is under the control and the direction of my master. I mean, you can have, a, 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 my wife said she, she saw a couple out walking a Rottweiler, right, Uh this morning. I'm going like, ooh, I'm scared of those guys, you know. Those, those are big dogs. See, they have a lot of power, but you know what? They can be very gentle if they're trained and they do what their master says. You see, that is should be us. We don't don't disregard the the talents, the gifts, the abilities, the strengths that we possess that have been given to us by God, but we allow them to be under his control and direction all the time. See the difference? I don't use my talent or my strength or my capacity. Uh, You might have power. You might have position. You might have money. You might have intellect. And a lot of people use those to control other people. And God says, no, I gave you your gifts, your talents, your abilities, all your, and all your resources to be under my direction. For what? For the purpose of helping people get reconnected with God. I mean, there are a lot of people who sing, who sing for their own glory. And thankfully, we have a group of people up here that sing for God's glory. They say, don't worship me, we're worshiping God. But they've been given wonderful gifts that some of us don't possess. Some of us wish we had, right? I mean, I wish I could sing on key, right? But no, God gave them. But they're using their talent. They're using their ability. They're using whatever they've been given by God, their strength for his glory on his mission. See, that's what being gentle really is. So gentleness is actually one of the fruits of the Spirit, too. Now, the next one is to be patient. Now, this is one we hate. This is one we don't want to, to really get into. I remember praying for patience one time. Oh boy, what a mistake. Right? Why? Because if you're going to pray something into your life, as the scripture says, you should be this, this, this way in your life. Say, okay, Lord, help me to be patient. You know what's going to happen? You're going to give, God's going to give you opportunity to be patient. There are going to be circumstances in your life to where now, You get to test that theory, (laughs) okay? But God in his strength can help you be patient. And being patient is actually a a reflection of humility and gentleness. When you have that kind of humility, you know who you are, right? You know your own weaknesses and strengths that God has given you. You're a little more patient with other people, right? If you've made some mistakes, you can be a little bit patient with other people. And so... So being patient is one of the the things that helps us stay glued together. It's not just putting up with somebody, but it is being gentle and humble in your spirit, recognizing that we're all in the same in the same boat, right? Now, it says here love one another with in love. Be patient in love, right? Um, Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Isn't it amazing how we can see others' faults when we don't see our own? Very, very easy to do. And yet God says here, be patient with each other and make allowances for each other's faults. Sometimes you just know you're going to have to have that conversation with that person that just drives you nuts. And maybe you need to have a have a prayer before you have that meeting and you just say, Lord, I know where this could go, but help me to have the capacity to be patient. Right. To be patient. If you've ever worked with junior hires, you know what I'm talking about. Right. OK. It's like you just need to walk into that room and say, OK, I need to make allowances for the, the things that could go wrong or the things that I know are going to be difficult. And so. We need to bear with one another in love. That's the next thing. It says, now, this is, of course, is agape love. And First Peter 4, 8 uh, says, this is a love, that's interesting, that covers a multitude of sins. Isn't that the kind of love that God loves us with? I mean, he, he still sees how we mess up. He still sees that we've done things wrong. He still sees that, that the darkness that, that still is in our heart sometimes. And He does he give up loving us? Never. Never he keeps on loving, and so we need to then bear with one another in love, and so we do that, as Paul said at the very first. We come alongside, we hold each other up, when we know someone else is a little weak in an area we we reinforce that, we bear that burden I get this picture of of the four guys who who brought their their paralytic friend to Jesus, right. And they had to carry him there and they had to work their way through the crowd and they couldn't get through the door. So what did they do? They broke open the the guy's roof and lowered him down. All for their friend. They, They carried him to Jesus. And that's what we're doing with each other. We just keep carrying each other, bearing each other's burdens. If someone has a weakness, maybe you need a sponsor, Right? You need someone to help you when you're weak. And we all know what our weaknesses are. And maybe that's where you talk to your spouse or you talk to your best friend or your, your, maybe you, you just need to say, hey, we're headed into a, an arena here that I, I've got some issues with and I'm a little weak, so could you be praying for me? Could you, or could you come with me? Could you come alongside me? Could, could you share in this conversation with me because I know it's going to be hard for me. That's what we do for each other, right? We bear with each other in love. Right. And then he winds up by saying, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Uh, it's tempting to give up on people. It is. It's just it's just. Easier sometimes to not call my little sister. Just got to be honest, you know. It, it's just hard. Because ugh, that relationship has been tense. But it doesn't mean that I should stop trying. Right? And so you pick up the phone and you make a call or you text them and just tell them, hey, I love you. I care about you. What you what's going on in your life? It's not going to be easy. But it, I love how Paul says, make every effort. Sometimes we, we make one effort and we stop. We make an effort and if we don't get the response we want. Done right how many times are we supposed to forgive 70 times 7 right okay so it's 490 and you're on 489 brother right i had one guy tell me he was a good bible scholar and he says you know bruce he says that that isn't 490 he says 70 times 7 it's like 7 7 to the 70th power you math whizzes here, you know what that number is? It's a quadratrillion million, okay? It's like it's a number you can't count. And that's Jesus' point. We don't keep track. You can't keep track. You just keep on doing it. It's not an option to stop forgiving. We just keep forgiving. and And, and look, it says, Every effort to what? To keep the unity of the faith. The the bedrock of Christianity is we forgive so that people, the outside world and us inside the church know that we can still hang together in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of the fact that we mess up, we make mistakes, and sometimes we intentionally do mean things to each other. And yet Paul says, make every effort not to do that instead make every effort to keep the unity and through the bond of peace see peace is what glues us together romans 12:18 says if it's possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone everyone and then ephesians 4 will go to the end of the chapter, says this. Paul kind of wraps up this whole, uh, and I I want you to encourage you to to read the whole of chapter 4 sometime today. But he winds up this idea in chapter 4, verse 32, when he says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ. In Christ, God forgave you. See, you need to be told, maybe daily, you are loved and you are forgiven. You are loved and you are forgiven. You might turn to your neighbor this morning and just tell them that you are loved and you are forgiven. Go ahead, and do that right now. Feels pretty good to know that, doesn't it? Yeah, I know from experience that I am not completely humble I am not completely gentle I am not completely loving and I'm not completely peaceful I still struggle at times with forgiving people it hurts, it stings but one thing I want to do with your help and the help of Jesus and his spirit that lives in us is I want to commit myself to moving toward that end to make every effort to be united in Christ, right? To be gentle, humble, kind, forgiving. All right. Hope you will do that too. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for loving us, for for what you have done for us through Christ. Uh, Father, you created us. Help us to remember who we are and uh, to just remember that we were created... of love, with a purpose, for relationship with you and with one another. Lord, as we consider this today, we we again um, kneel at the cross and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, that you were able to say, Father, forgive them. And we know that If Jesus asked anything within your will, within his will, that you grant that. And so, Father, thank you for forgiving us. Um, Lord, if we feel like we just can't be forgiven, we ask that you would, through your spirit, reassure us once again. Help us reassure one another that there's nothing that we have done or ever will do that cannot be covered by the blood of Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness and for your unending love. God, we love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchPresno.com.